0: First of all, we just want to start off by saying thank you for taking the time and coming to SOSJ to talk to us. We are very excited for you to be here today, and we're all nervous, but we're very excited. We're all definitely very nervous. nervous.
1: If it's all right with you, we just wanted to start by explaining to our listeners what our mission is here on Social with the Side of Justice. Our main theme this year is the lack of diverse representation in literature, film, education, and government.
2: Our goal for this podcast is to bring awareness to this issue and also highlight those individuals who are fighting to bring more representation into their respective fields.
0: During our first two episodes, we focused on representation in the film industry. And on today's episode, we'll be shifting gears to focusing on government representation.
1: Today, we have been given an amazing opportunity to sit down with New Jersey State Senator Vin Gopal. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to join us.
3: It's and great with, to be with you guys.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> with that, if you don't mind, we're going to start off with, some, with the questions. Where did you grow up?
3: I grew up in Freehold Township.
1: Mm. Not very far from here,
3: actually. Not, not very far. I was born in Neptune, grew up in Freehold, went out to college in Pennsylvania, and then came back to Long Branch.
0: Nice. nice. And with growing up in Freehold, like, how do you describe your family and your upbringing?
3: I, I grew up in an immigrant household. My parents both came from southern India and in the um early 1970s uh so i um had a lot of cultural clashing like a lot of immigrant families did and uh uh now now you know you get a couple therapy sessions here and there to figure out what went wrong what didn't i'm, right. teasing, I'm teasing partially um, <laughs> But, uh, I, you know, we had a very close-knit Indian-American family, so we had a
0: good time. When do you think you actually, like, became accepting of your own identity?
3: Uh, probably closer in my um, 20s. You know, we all have different moments that, that go through us. I had a moment that um, it was right after September 11th, and I was in Red Bank. Not too far. I was in high school. And um, probably my fault. I was driving— wasn't a great driver. I was like seventeen or eighteen, <laughs> but uh, I had had gone around a turn, didn't see, and I, they were nowhere near. And they screamed out at me, "Learn how to drive, you terrorist!" Wow. And that was like right, right at the height of that. So you have these different moments, and I'm sure all three. If you know, if you're all from, all three of you are from yeah. immigrant families, you have different moments, um, and it helps try to define you, guide you, make you better people, try to understand the people around you, and I think that moment wanted. Taught me to kind of look at my own implicit biases, like how I view other people, how I view other um, other ethnicities, other folks, and try to understand their world experiences and what they're going through, and how um, how I can be a better person so I don't judge them.
1: Right, it's almost like cultural empathy. Like that's something that we learned in class. Like it's where we have to like be able to respect where other people come from instead of just like judging.
3: Yeah, and sometimes you have your own insecurities, so you want to – you're guarded, and it, it doesn't all come out healthy. So I think um, being self-aware is important. One of the things we're doing in the Senate is doing implicit bias training for, for physicians, for police officers. And I, When I meet with police officers and, and I work really closely with them, I say, listen, it, it's your – you're doing an incredible job. You're out there. You you have a gun on you. You don't know what's coming at you, right. but there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that there are. There, you might have an implicit bias. There's nothing wrong with that because of your upbringing. It doesn't make anyone uh, bad people. I remember my my grandparents would say things about other religions. that didn't make them bad people, but like you have implicit biases, and if you're not self aware of those implicit biases, it becomes harder to 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 try to make positive influences around you. So I think. Um, that, that part of growing up in an immigrant family and seeing some of those and trying to be self-aware, I think has really helped me.
1: Right.
0: And talking about high school, how would you describe high school growing up? Was it a diverse school?
3: Yeah. uh, I went, high school was diverse and college was even more diverse. I went to Penn State in, in Pennsylvania. It was a really large, um, university and, um, uh, both were, were diverse. I went to a private high school, which was very diverse here. Um, uh, and Freehold Township at the time was starting to get diverse. There, my, my Senate district actually does not have a lot of South Asians, Indians. So I think it's like five, me and a couple others. I don't even know if they voted for me, but it was very small. group. <laughs> but it's, it's about 80% white in Monmouth County in my district. So um, I do have a significant Portuguese population here in Long Branch, Brazilian population, the black population in Asbury, Neptune. Um, but it, it's mostly Italian, Irish. So... Um, it's it's monmouth county is not as diverse as other places but it's starting to become more diverse
2: yeah
1: Yeah. that's a
0: great thing because in long branch we are really diverse and we get to see that almost every day including in our own school it's like nice that we can like like see different cultures and like be able to like experience it right um what do you think the benefit is going to a diverse school
3: Oh, you, it's incredible! You get to learn more about um, yourself. You get to learn about what other people are. You get to learn that all life experiences are okay, all world's views are okay, and, and to try to uh, find shared experiences. I think that's probably the, the healthiest. My friendships growing up of different cultures and religions probably taught me more than um, uh, than those that I have in, in the same. I grew up in a Hindu household. There weren't a lot of Hindus, uh, still aren't in here. I, I got married in a Hindu temple. Um, you know, my wife is Catholic. So I, I got to experience a lot growing up that helped me later in life.
0: And talking about private school, we did a little research. You went to Randy,
3: right? Yep, didn't fall.
0: <laughs> what factors influenced you to choose to go to private school?
3: Uh, you know, at, in, at the time when I was in uh, Freehold, um, the school was not that great there, so my parents, uh, I, I didn't have a great experience in some of my lower grades. Um, I wasn't a great student, so um, <laughs> I had opportunities, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm you know really fortunate. Uh, it was it was a good four years. I, I did. It was smaller, and I didn't always do as well there. I did better when I was in college because it was a larger environment. Right. Um, but I I had trouble. Um, you know, a lot of things I had trouble with growing up. I. I Definitely should have been diagnosed for ADD. I should have been diagnosed for a bunch of stuff. It just didn't get happen. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't connect. I could read something three, four times. It wouldn't click with me. I could try a math problem over and over. It wouldn't click with me. Um, so I think those type of things, um, going to a smaller school definitely helped me, right. um, and at least try to help me, uh, out of some of those things.
0: Mm-hmm. And how did like experiences in Rani like shape you as a person?
3: Uh it was very diverse. It was probably about um uh mostly there's a lot of South Asian kids there. There's a lot of uh uh, uh Puerto Rican American kids or a lot of black kids. It was more diverse than the other areas. Now I went to there a long time ago, so I don't know how it is now. It was almost 20 years ago. So um I think that uh, uh now we are seeing. Now I know like, you know, there are more schools. You you see Diversity in Long Branch. You see diversity in Red Bank. Red Bank is now Red Bank Regional is becoming one of the most diverse schools uh, that exists. Twenty years ago, that wasn't the case. Um, Freehold Borough is, is way more diverse now. That wasn't the case twenty years ago. So I think there is um, there is more diversity. There is more uh, inclusion. Um, it was it was a different world back then. It was right. it was less. You know, you couldn't even. I remember there was one kid in school that was openly gay and that was like a big deal across everything um and it's just so different now
1: yeah it is i feel like more people are um more accepting of others and kids yeah.
3: are more accepting that yeah, wasn't the case true. that wasn't the case in 2002 wow
0: yeah switching gears did you always want to be a politician
3: um No. I I always was interested in politics. I would go to a lot of anti-war protests. The war in Iraq was happening in the 2000s, so I'd go to all the anti-war protests. I would uh, try to um, just get interested. I'd I'd do internships in Congress and and for different elected officials, and then um, I ran for office the first time when I was 26, 10 years ago, and I lost by uh, a really large margin. There's Literally nobody who voted for me. I got really few votes. But I learned a lot that election. I learned everything what not to do the next time. Yes. And the next time I tried again, um, uh, I, I was successful, knocked on a lot of doors, and, and really enjoyed it.
0: If not a politician, what would you be?
3: So unfortunately, New Jersey uh, state legislature is only part-time. New Jersey State Senator gets paid 49000 a year, no benefits or anything. So every state legislator has to have another job. Um, so my other job is I own a laundromat.
2: Oh, nice. oh, that's nice. That's cool.
3: Nothing to do with politics. <laughs> Nothing to do with <laughs>
0: like, politics, exactly. <laughs> well, with that, we saw you did EMT volunteer hours in high school. Mm-hmm. Was that something you wanted to do instead of politics like at the time? At the um, time?
3: Yeah, I, I was. So I, I was an EMT for a while. I also taught CPR and first aid for the Red Cross. I, I loved working with police officers and firefighters and EMTs, and I thought maybe I'd become a paramedic uh, maybe become a nurse at some point. Um, it was really hard for me again. Cause I, I struggled with in school. Like I just could not focus. I could not take a standardized test. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. And, and, you know, I had a lot of trouble in high school, so it was hard for me to take, um, you know, it was hard for me to take any test to try to get an advanced degree. Like even if I practiced all for weeks, it wouldn't have mattered.
0: And fo- how, like how far along were you in the process of like EMT wise?
3: I did it for about five years. I did a couple thousand calls. So I volunteered with the Freehold First Aid Squad, the Cold Snack First Aid Squad, and the West Long Branch First Aid Squad. It's and really now, I'm on, now I'm close. on Long Branch now. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm in Elberon.
1: Speaking about like your EMT hours, you mentioned earlier that you went to Pen- Pennsylvania for college. Mm-hmm. So did those volunteer hours actually help you get into that college, like university?
3: I think so, because my grades weren't great. So I think a lot of the volunteer stuff I did did help. I mean, my grades weren't terrible. I did better in, like, history and stuff, but math and science I just really struggled with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And with that, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll be diving deeper into Senator Gopal's experiences.
2: Welcome back to Social with the Side of Justice. Again, we are here today with New Jersey State Senator Ben Gopal. So we noticed in our in our research, that your parents immigrated to the United States. Um, so we're actually all children of immigrant parents. And based on their experience, do you think they had specific expectations for you in terms of your career?
3: Uh, yeah, they wanted me to be a doctor or uh, a business person. A lot of South Asian families at the time still to this day own Dunkin' Donuts, 7 that's just the stereotype. Um, yeah. So that you know, or Taco Bell's, or or things like that. Um, uh, and uh, so that's what they wanted. Uh, it didn't work out that way. Um, I think they're okay now, but, um, they, uh, they, you know, they. My my dad grew up in a part of southern India where he had to wait on a on a food line every Friday to get food. So his worldview was always he just wanted me to his kids to have a better life than he did.
1: Yeah, I feel like. Well, we can all relate to that just because, like, my parents personally, like, they came over here because they want a better life for their children, yeah. which is me, and they want me to be, like, first generation, finish high school, and then go to college, do something better than, than what you and, what me and your dad do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, I think that goes for mostly, like, everyone that's here. Like, being part of here and, like, seeing that your parents grew up a certain way, and of course, like, every single time, like, you do something wrong, they're going to be like, well, in my time, it wasn't like that, <laughs> but, like seeing like that and like when you graduate and when you're crossing the stage like you're finally proud of yourself because you're doing something and it's for the better of them you know Mm -hmm. so i feel like really proud Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah um as a teenager how'd you handle all these expectations
3: uh it was a um it was tough i mean it's not just i mean i'm sure all a lot of immigrant families uh go through this but my parents especially when it came to dating they're like don't date oh you're gonna get married <laughs> you need to have a kid tomorrow so it was like <laughs> it was that extreme um focus on school they didn't really understand and it's not they, they just wanted what was best for me they didn't understand sports or music or art or the other areas because it didn't it didn't go towards economic security right. right so talking
0: about sports did you play any
3: i did i wasn't great uh, i played played uh, uh baseball Played basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, I'll go a little,
3: Not six feet, like five eleven. <laughs> so, um, the height had some advantages, but um, yeah, I think that that's uh, that's a challenge, right? For yeah. uh, I mean, do you guys have uh, or sense immigrant families nowadays? Like, still, is there still that resistance to non-academic uh, goals when it comes to like if you say, "Hey, I'm going to go." Uh, take an instrument or I'm going to go play tennis or whatever it may be. Is there more resistance or is it, is it now more accepting?
1: Well, I'd say it's almost like for me, it's almost more accepting because they say like, if you play a sport like that helps you get into, you know, you can get a scholarship and go to college for that. If you really like um, stay dedicated to that sport and also like your academics, especially like also with instruments and um, clubs, that they offer here at school, like when you join those clubs, like they're like, Oh yeah. Like if you, be, if you're like more dedicated into that, like that can ha- help you get into college or a university.
0: For me, I'm like growing up in a Brazilian and a Portuguese household. So like for them, they're always at work, but I'm more hard on myself because I want to make them proud. And like, they're, they're what matters to me. But like the pressure is extreme. Like those expectations, like you see them but you also set them from your, for yourself, so like it's really hard.
2: I feel like there's more resistance in my household because it's always grades on top, grades always first, and then anything else.
1: <laughs> yeah, so like everyone just has like different, you know, their families obviously have different um,
2: expectations.
1: Yeah, for their children.
2: Um, what was your parents' reactions when you told them you were going into politics?
3: They thought I was. They were going to be supporting me for the rest of their life. Um, they didn't think it would be possible. They, you know, there, there's assumptions and people make. This the thing I realize is people are always wrong. So if you if you ever watch uh, TV and you watch CNN or Fox or MSNBC, they're always wrong. They said that if someone named Barack Obama, his middle name Hussein, never could be president. They said Donald Trump, they could never be president. They're always wrong about what they're predicting, and so I. I, they, that's what they assumed. They said this is a really white county. You're brown. You're not going to get elected. Um, there's never been a, a Democrat that's been elected to the Senate in, in decades here. Um, and so uh, that was the immediate assumption. They're like, oh, you should move to Edison or somewhere if you want to do politics. Right. right. You shouldn't. So um, I, and I don't think it came from like a bad place. It's just like, again, the economic security, like mm-hmm. you're going to work jobs and do other things while you're doing this. Um, I also joined the IBEW, so I was uh, for for last twelve years. I've been uh, part of that union. It's the Electrical Workers Union. Um, so um, that that gave me some kind of security with that. So that that helped. But I think that that was their initial reaction. It's more just a fear of the unknown,
1: right? Yeah, that's like a like almost like all parents. Like they just want what's best for you, and they don't want you to like feel down or anyone push you down even though there's always someone who's going to be doubting you
2: yeah um what's the process of becoming a senator like the background experience you need the step-by-step
3: legally you have to be 30 years old that's it (laughs) and then you run and then um you, you get 200 signatures to get on the ballot anybody can run um i ran against an incumbent who was in office for a while and i just Literally every day after work at four o'clock just knocked on doors till about seven thirty, eight o'clock. Wow. Probably hit about 11,000 doors and it somehow worked. That's
2: amazing. That is amazing. That's, that's got
3: a lot of steps in. I didn't have the thing back then though.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so did you need a degree in government?
3: No, the former, uh, Senate president, Steve Sweeney is a iron worker, high school degree, former speaker, Vincent Prieto is a high school degree. You don't need it. You don't need any, you know, I mean, I'm sure it helps. Um, uh, everything helps. I got my master's degree over the last, while I was in the Senate, I got my master's degree over the last four years. I did it online at Rutgers. Um, uh, and so it, I I think it's up to people vote. It's democratic representation. They'll, judge the people on there and they'll judge what they have to say and then vote and oftentimes they'll they'll vote for folks that um may not have a college degree maybe they have six degrees right. Yeah. right
2: um growing up when you saw politicians whether you were learning about them in history class or watching them on tv were there any of them that looked like you
3: that's a great question it really is a, a great question i don't think anyone's ever asked me that question um no, there was not many. I think there was like one South Asian legislator. I, I'm the first South Asian in the Senate in New Jersey. So mm-hmm. no, there's never been, um, uh, no, and I didn't see any in Congress. I didn't see, I think it's different now. Now there's about six or seven uh, mm-hmm. Indian Americans in, in Congress, but um, uh, I, I I had not.
0: Mm-hmm. So for us, Miss Sizik actually was our history teacher for sophomore year, me and Sammy's. And she made sure, like, in every single class that she taught to have that representation. And for us, it like, I don't know if, have you ever watched Boys Meet World?
3: A long time ago. Yes,
0: yes, <laughs> yes we have yes. a fan. So Ms. Cizik, wouldn't so, call it a
3: fan. But. <laughs>
0: uh, so for us, Miss Sizzik was kind of like Mr. Feeny. Like, everything she taught, like, had some, like, we could, like, rely on that information to, like, relate it to our own life. And we also had that representation portion that, like, we could see ourselves in the history, which is, like, amazing. Like, that's, like, truly, like, if you, like, if you want a teacher, that's what you want, like, to have that relatability when you leave to apply that to your own life. Sounds
3: like a pretty good teacher. Yeah,
2: she is. One of the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you believe there's enough representation of minority politicians?
3: I think minority politicians generally have a harder, harder obstacles. I think more of, you know, when we blame people for not voting, um, it's easy to blame them, but people, a lot of those folks that are working class families have a lot going on. They got multiple kids, they got two jobs, they have a lot going on. And this is not the first priority. Whereas those that are usually more economically secure, it's more of a luxury and they're able to do it. So I don't I think there can always be more representation. I think we need to have more representation. I think, um, unfortunately, I'm an anomaly. There's not too many people that are brown skinned in 80% white districts. Um, I think that, but it also shows that I think people are uh, fine. I mean, it's again the fear fear of the unknown, and, and um, I think trying to educate folks about who. One of the things I do is I, I meet with every group despite their worldviews. So I I have a group that I talk to pretty regularly who are all NRA members, even though I have sponsored every bill on taking guns uh, off the streets and and a whole bunch of things on background checks. And they don't vote for me. They don't probably agree with 99%, but I still try to see their worldview. I learn about them, but there's actually a bunch in long branch um, and, 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 I try to understand where they're coming from. They grew up going hunting in Pennsylvania, where I grew up in a Hindu vegetarian household. Mm. So we were just very different um, worldviews. But I think I try to understand where they're coming from. I try to appreciate where they're coming from. I don't think they're wrong. I try to try to make them understand that nobody's infringing on their, their, their Second Amendment rights, that they have the right to bear arms. Um, but you know, if, if you have somebody who has a history of domestic violence or abusing dogs, they shouldn't be able to get a gun. Um, and trying to find that that conversation, I think the part of having the conversation is really healthy, and often that doesn't happen. You just see people kind of shouting down each other um whether it 's on social media or in person, and I think that that uh helps to when you get to know the other side a little bit
2: right um do you think this representation is changing?
3: do I think it's uh changing? I think it's starting to I think we're seeing more um <laughs> more folks um <coughs> seeing more folks get elected we're seeing uh more uh women get elected we're seeing you know new jersey still is yet to have um an openly gay woman ever elected to the new jersey legislature that's never happened i was the first south asian recently so you still have a long way and it does help if i was in your situation and had a teacher like you guys did and i got to see some of uh, some of that growing up, I, I probably would have helped me in different ways. I mean, unfortunately, the only memory I have from it was like third or fourth grade, talking about, um, and it was a different time. Third or fourth grade, uh, they were talking about slavery, and I remember the teacher very specifically saying, "Well, some slaves weren't uh, were, were upset that their slave owners um, that slavery happened because the slave owners were taking such good care of them." That was my. That's the only thing I remember from fourth grade history, wow. which is insane, right? So. Yeah. So I think that things are way better now. And the fact that you have teachers now that are uh, showing that understanding every child in the classroom, where they're coming from, and trying to create experiences. So I do think it helps when we see more women elected, more minorities elected, because hopefully there is somebody in that classroom that's, that's looking and say, okay, if that person can do it, then, then I should be able to do it, too. And I think that helps a lot.
2: There Um. How can we influence more young men and women minorities to get involved in public service?
3: Uh, internships are a great way. We have it in our Senate office in Ocean Township. No matter what your political views are, there are, well, I'm the only Democrat here, but there's a hundred other Republicans, if that's your political leaning here in Monmouth County. Um, but there's internship opportunities across the board. That's how I started. It's important to try, go uh, learn about government, learn about legislation, learn about policy. Um my chief of staff right there, Dais started as an intern with me, and she's my chief of staff now. So she, there's a lot of pathways um, when you start with an internship, if that's what you want to do. Um, Dais is actually her educational background is in social work, so it's not even, wasn't politics, it's just, this is what she's interested in now. So everybody has a different pathway on how they get there, but I think internships are always a good first start.
1: Yeah, I think, like, that's one of the, like, so you spreading awareness about this, like, I feel like that's one of the main reasons why we actually do this podcast is just like spread awareness and create that cycle and to create action so that way more people become aware of the situation.
2: Thank you so much. We're just going to take a quick break, but be sure to stay tuned.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to Social with a Side of Justice. Today, we are joined by one of New Jersey's most vibrant public servants, Senator Van Gopal. So Senator, did you have, did you ever have any setbacks on your journey to becoming a state senator?
3: Yeah, first time I ran, I got crushed. Um, <laughs> I lost by a large margin and uh, I was like, oh man, people really don't want me. Um, but then I, it was actually a great learning experience on trying to understand what what voters wanted. So that was definitely a big setback. So
1: that, like how, how would you say you moved forward from those setbacks?
3: Um, I learned uh, how to engage voters better, how to listen better how to not talk at them, but talk to them, try to hear what they're actually going through and not just assume what they're going through based on some policy brief I read or something I saw online. Um, and I think that helps in trying to actually spend more experiences. I think the, uh, the opportunity, instead of trying to do things, the first time I ran I lost, there was again, a long time. It was 10 years ago. There's more newspapers out there. There are more weeklies. The link Hat used to have a weekly paper. There's a whole bunch of papers out there. And I, I would try to engage more through that. And that was not easy. because You don't really get to know someone. But the second time I did it, uh, five years ago, when I knocked on all those doors, I actually got to go into a lot of houses and um, a couple bad ones. So one of my worst doors, which he, I don't think he voted for me, I was walking right up in Neptune City and the guy said, a couple more steps up and the shotgun comes out. I said, oh, this is not worth that vote. A couple others, the dogs came out. It was a lot of different experiences, but a lot of people... Brought me in. They said, yeah, we'd love to chat, especially like the older retired folks. Yeah. They're like, all right. So I'm like, I'm definitely not hitting 50 doors today. So, um, (laughs) but that helped me a lot and, and overcoming that setback and trying to actually learn what people's life experiences were.
1: We're very glad to hear that. I feel
0: like us ourselves, we can apply that to like in high school. Like if we do have a setback, we tend to like affect everything else with it, even if it's minor or major. But, like, it's the way we perceive it and the way we react towards it and, like, how we talk about it to other people is what's the most important thing. Like, our reactions is important.
1: Right. It also, like, says, like, what kind of person you are. Like, it helps you become, like, oh, like, if you have a setback, like, will you give up or will you continue to, like, to fight for what you really want? So that's, like, something that's um, really good. So we we saw in our research that you were elected in 2017. Am I correct? Yep. Okay, so how, like, how would you say your life has changed since then?
3: Um, it has been a little busier, a lot more uh, events and things. It's hard to say no uh, a lot. Um, we get a couple hundred scheduling requests weekly, and um, usually I, we usually turn away stuff that's outside the district for the most part, but even in the district, it becomes hard. Like Just on Monday, we have four or five Martin Luther King services at the same time um so we can't obviously go to all five of them um so we have to pick and choose it's just life gets a little busier and shuffling things around nice um
1: we also saw in our research that you do a lot to advocate for easier access to mental health services can you just talk to us a little bit about what you're doing
3: yeah so we've increased funding um actually new jersey last year in our state budget has put the largest amount of mental health funding uh, ever i know you have a school based youth service program here so to continue the funding for that also have the source in Red Bank. We also increased funding for districts to apply for more social workers, therapists, uh, mental health screenings, um, and trying to create partnerships with nonprofit organizations that could provide uh, mental health services.
0: I feel like that's an amazing program to have, like especially in school. So, like if we are like ever struggling or anything, like we have someone to talk to. Because I know. With like the whole COVID and everything, like we felt like we didn't have anyone. So like, like coming back and actually having someone to talk to, like that's like an amazing thing. But the thing is, like also that program, it also teaches us how to react to other people. And even if you don't go in general, like it teaches you how to help other people, which is like an amazing thing. Right, I definitely agree.
1: Um, What would you say is your proudest accomplishment as an individual and as a public servant?
3: Um, as an individual, um. My proudest accomplishment, I think any if any parent doesn't say this, my six-month-old daughter um, <laughs> is definitely my my favorite person in the world. Um, as an elected official, uh, one of the we, we did a, I'm proud of a lot of legislation we did, but one of the ones we did during COVID was um, legalizing telemedicine for mental health services because we had a lot of people going through therapists and um, insurances at that time not that long ago, two years, weren't reimbursing, like Horizon, Etna, and all these people weren't reimbursing for virtual uh, therapy sessions. So people weren't going. And obviously when we started the bill, insurance companies were fighting it tooth and nail, but um, uh, through a lot of negotiations, we got to a place. So that's probably one of our our proudest accomplishments that we did as an office.
1: That's really great, that's awesome to hear. (laughs) Um, So being high school students ourselves, which educational policies or initiatives do you feel have been most impactful to our school experiences?
3: Um, I think fair funding. um, That was one of the things. Long Branch has had an increase in enrollment. Uh, Up until about five years ago, funding did not follow enrollment. So districts that were having lower enrollments were getting the same amount of money, whereas districts like Long Branch and Freehold Bar and Red Bank, which were getting increased enrollments, weren't getting as much money. So now you're getting a lot more dollars um, for your actual enrollment that you should get. Um, so I think that's probably been helped. There's also been a big increase to the school districts the last three years in special education funding as far as reimbursements. Um, so all of those things I know for your very well-dressed, I always make fun of these, well, best dressed superintendent I've ever seen. I know he, those are all tools that, um, has helped the school district, uh, hopefully. Nice.
1: So now that you've accomplished those initiatives, what is something you are hoping to accomplish before you leave
3: office? Um, you know, one of the things I'd love to, to look at is health care as a whole. It's not easy. It's a federal issue, but it's still incredibly expensive. Uh, health insurance companies, for the most part, still charge residents in New Jersey for not providing healthcare services. If an individual has a government uh, job, it, it, the health care is much better. But for those in the private sector, it's not great. They pay high premiums. And unless they're in the ER, for most stuff, it's not covered. Um, and, uh, you know, we've had a system where we've got – three health insurance companies really in the state, but Horizon has about 80% of the market, uh, and healthcare continues to go up every single year, and there's not a real good public option that really helps those people. Yeah.
1: Nice. So when making important political decisions, who do you turn to for advice?
3: Uh, my staff. I got a great staff. Um, I let them a lot of times make some decisions, then I get mad when they're wrong. Um <laughs> I, uh, no, I have a a really good staff. They work really hard. I'm really hard on them. Um, I'm in a, we're the, this is one of the few non-gerrymandered districts in the state. Gerrymandered means like, you know, you could be a Democrat in Newark. You're going to win. You can be a Republican in Sussex County. You're going to win. This is an anomaly because this district is very, very Republican. Governor Murphy actually lost district by 3000 votes. And then about 5,000 people, Republicans crossed over. So we have to actually work this much harder than somebody else in another county because their districts are usually taken accounted for. Like I, I sh- we shouldn't be here. So that really is a credit to our staff. Our staff works really, really hard. They know how important constituent service is. They know how, m- how important it is to make sure people have good experiences. Um, we had a lot of folks struggling with unemployment and motor vehicles and a lot of the state agencies. So trying to help them through uh, during COVID in the last year, I think has helped a lot, but definitely would be my staff
1: right that's that's amazing I mean I, I go to my mom for advice I don't know I don't know about I don't know about you guys uh,
0: I go for my best friend who's like sitting right next to me <laughs> but like talking about like the health the healthcare, care and like all that stuff I've I can relate to that because since having immigrant parents like we have like I have to manage sometimes for them because they don't really know much and like seeing them struggle is actually really hard but like knowing that there's other people out there to help us is amazing it's like an amazing
3: thing yeah folks should always call our senate office that's literally what we do is we have we, we spend a lot of our time fighting with horizon on behalf of constituents if they get a bad uh thing sometimes they just need help and um i can't tell you i wish more people knew that that to just call our office um and if it's a federal issue we we work really well with congressman Polone in long branch so we have and and a lot of people just don't know they try to do it on their own but Really encourage people to call our office and let us have a caseworker and start trying to advocate on their behalf. Nice.
1: So I know you said that you turn to your staff for advice, but what's the best piece of advice you've gotten, whether it's politically or on a personal level?
3: Um. Uh. Not never believe social media. No, I'm kidding. That's uh, (laughs) uh, uh, a good (laughs) one. I uh, always treat people the way you want to be treated, and I think that's uh, important to always be civil. It's always important to know that um, they're going through tough experiences. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what life challenge they're going through, but everyone's going through a struggle. And it's important to just, um, and allow people to make mistakes. People are human. Don't jump on them. You know, people are going to make mistakes. It's part of life. Um, The person who doesn't own up to the mistake, that's the situation. That's like mental health space. Cut them off, right? But for the people that are like, yeah, I made a mistake, I think that that's a healthy thing and self-awareness is important. Yeah I feel it like is.
0: that goes to like the best piece of advice that I've gotten which is like people come and go but it's like the way you act towards them because rumors go around and like the way you act towards them is like what shows to everyone else so like I feel like that's important like how you react to everyone
1: else
3: is really important. Right.
1: So who inspired you to be the person you are today?
3: Um, i think it's combination of people definitely you know my my mom always exemplified empathy to this day and my dad always exemplified work ethic you know my dad feels uh, bad a lot that he's you know he like tries to make it up with his granddaughter now um but like i'm i understood he had to work a lot that that was life then and like so he's you know he feels upset that he wasn't there for stuff and i said i get it like i'm not i don't I, i'm you did what you know and you did the, and you did an incredible job and you made a great living and and i'm not mad that you didn't come to stuff or plays or any of this stuff or school meetings like it it, it's i think that um both of them my dad really showed me the importance of work ethic and continues to um and my mom uh, just showed me empathy every way of treating every person with love
1: yeah my mom is the same person like she's she's taught us or she's taught me to really just not focus on more of yourself but also focus on what others are going through like you said before and i i really adore for that and my dad also like he's a very um a very how do you say like a very strong man like he doesn't like he tells me like whatever anyone says to you like don't keep it in your mind like yeah. get that away from
0: you
2: yeah yeah, yeah same
1: here. i feel like
0: for my parents like I do sports, like, I get home late, and then it, it just, they're just at work. Like, that's their mindset. It's just work, work, work. But, like, when it gets to, like, that 7, 8 o'clock, like, my mom comes in the room. She asks me how the day went. Like, having those conversations are important because the input is great. Like, I'm going to be honest. If it wasn't for her, I don't know where I'm going in life. So, like, having that input is, like, an amazing thing. Like, that's – it's it's just, like, a great relationship. It's just amazing. All right.
1: So to end it off, um, for everyone here in the room, including us students, what advice do you have for us?
3: Um, To always treat people the way you want to be treated and to make sure that um, you're going to see that student or you're going to see that friend who's struggling. It's always important to try to lift them up um, as uh, the core belief of Hinduism is is karma and uh, you, you want you know, good things all the way around, and, and that's for me, and that I think that goes for a lot of different religions, right, including Christianity and Islam and Judaism, so I think it's important to, to treat people the way you want to be treated and always try to lift them up, especially when they're having a tough day.
1: We definitely agree. We appreciate that very much. Senator, we just want to thank you again for dining with us here at Social with the Side of Justice. We hope you enjoyed your time with us, and before I forget... Here's your very own check.